Well now, that sure wasn't it. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot. Once it comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates, and I hope you'll check those out as well. Panthers 5, Penguins 2 last night at PPG Paints Arena. It was so dead in that first period. And no, I'm not talking about the crowd of 18,000 that turned out. Penguins attendance, by the way, has been really good. Not something a whole lot of people have been talking about, but they're they're right at 18,000 pretty much every night. No, the dead atmosphere was right down there at ice level. Both teams, by the way, seven total shots, really nothing going on. And I, I'm just going to let this exchange I had with Chris Letang afterward bring you the description of the evening. This began with my asking him just you know what's missing what what's going wrong right now i mean i i just think tonight we have to manufacture our own emotion um you know it's a, it's, it was pretty flat game coming out of the gate nothing happening i think there was like 10 shots on both sides and after the first um you know sometimes when it's flat we don't we can't fall asleep we have to manufacture our own emotion or, or our own juice and um get to our game one way or another so um i just don't think that it was pretty flat line tonight well you you certainly weren't flat line i mean what, what was the rest of the room i mean what was missing here I mean, I, right now, uh, you know, we have to realize the position we're in and not be, you know, you know, how can I say that? Like, standstill deer in the headlines kind of thing, you know, like, just, you know, we have to go get it. Uh, and we'll need everybody. We'll need emotion every single game. Doesn't matter what we're facing. Um, every single point is going to be important. So, um, no, tonight it was just a... Uh, like I said, uneventful night, and I think we kind of fell asleep in it. Now, as you heard me saying to him there, and I'm never shy about being direct with guys, uh, whether they're doing poorly or whether they're doing well, Latang was most definitely an exception. He came ready to face one of the best, feistiest teams in the NHL. The Panthers get into it with everybody. It's actually part of their M.O. Paul Maurice has talked about it openly. Matthew Kachuk has talked about it. They'll go into a building looking to stir things up, looking to get not only the opponents mad at them, but also the opposing crowd mad at them because then they get more energized. Kind of a weird group, but then, you know, they didn't make it to the Eastern Conference Final last summer by accident. They did it to Pittsburgh, too, eventually. And Latang went right at them. So did Evgeny Malkin, who I thought had his best game, is certainly his most spirited game in a while. But then, second period came along, things opened up a little bit, the Penguins overpassed when they had chances, the Panthers shot when they had chances, they built up a four-goal lead, and that was the end of that. Three losses in a row. This team's got five wins in 15 games since the calendar flipped. This team's not scored 
more than three goals in any of its past 11 games. I could rattle this list off forever, but this loss might have hurt way more for some other reason. Now, I'm not going to know this until I get to Chicago later today. The Penguins and Blackhawks aren't having skates, so there aren't going to be any availabilities or any access at the United Center. But Jake Gensel went into the Florida boards, pushed there by Nico Mikola, and and it appeared that it was his left wrist that went in extra hard. From there, it appears, if you are the type who engages in lip reading in sports, that on the bench, Jake says to Chris Stewart, the athletic trainer, he broke my wrist. We'll see. We'll see. If Jake's out, a couple of significant things happen. One is, well, obviously, you're missing your leading goal scorer. Jake put home his 23rd last night. And if it's broken, then you're talking about, you know, six weeks or so. And whatever anybody thought of this team's chances before Jake would be lost for a significant period, well, you can multiply that by a factor of, oh, I guess 59 to come up with the next computation. The other thing is nobody's acquiring Jake via trade. No matter how much you believe in him, no matter how much you have faith in his healing and his toughness and everything else that he brings, you're not going to see a team make a trade for a guy with a busted wrist. That said, I'll reiterate here for what's got to be the zillionth time that the Penguins are not going to trade Jake. They were never going to trade Jake. The intention all along has been to sign him, and for as much fun and clickbait and everything else as Jake Trade Talk can provide, it's not happening. It wasn't going to happen before this, and even the most trade-obsessed hockey fans on the world, and boy, does this sport have them, are going to have to concede that Jake's not going anywhere. What do you do if he's out? Well, we might find that out today as well, because the Penguins have not just one move to make if Jake's out. They have two moves to make because their salary cap situation forced them last night to play with 11 forwards. You know, the first of back-to-back nights. That's how screwed up this whole thing has become, by the way. It's one thing to say that it's admirable to spend to the cap. It's another thing for any GM, and in this case, also their lieutenants, because they're responsible for maintaining an awareness of the cap, to allow this to occur. That doesn't happen this week. That happens when you overcommit to a Ryan Graves. That happens when you acquire a Riley Smith. And you'd better believe that happens when your predecessor pays Jeff Carter into eternity. Kind of a scattershot show today, I I know, and I'm going to apologize for it. it. It was a weird night. And it's possible that you've seen, heard, or read Mike Sullivan and some of the players acknowledging that. It's possible that you picked that up from the conversation that I played here earlier with Latang. 
it's a strange time for this team, but to be honest with you, I don't feel ready to like intensely make my own mind up about anything until I see which of them shows up tonight in Chicago. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? Hawks have lost seven in a row. They still don't have Connor Bedard. Look at their roster. Look at their lines. It's it's almost like those Rockford Ice Hogs who came in here late last season and ended the playoff streak. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Jake, who says, DK, very simple question for you. We don't need to talk about this game that apparently was played. If you were Kyle Dubas, please tell me what you would do at the deadline and what the 25 season will look like. Uh, I, I just still feel like there's so much more to play out. I just... I understand that's the most boring possible answer that I can give. So I'm just going to use it as a preface. All right. I'm not going to duck your question. I promise. If I were Dubas, the first thing that I would do would be to evaluate the age effect as it applies to my roster scoring. I can't believe that there's a coincidence, a grand coincidence at work that so many players who've scored in the past aren't scoring now. If there's an age effect, if there's a way that Dubas and all of his analytics people can look at what's in play right now and say, yeah, you know what, but they're not finishing and they're not finishing because they're older. And I'm not talking about Sid, obviously. Sid's been finishing at a terrific level all season. I'm talking a little bit about Gino, but I'm talking mostly about the rest of them. I'm talking about these other guys that have crossed over to 30 and just suddenly can't score. I mentioned Ricard Raquel, Riley Smith. Uh, Brian Rust is still putting his share of goals in the net, but it, it's never, it seems, commensurate to the shots and the shot attempts that he gets. When it is, he's awesome. That hasn't happened for a while. And from there, I accept that age is a factor in my number one shortcoming, that being general scoring, and in parentheses after that, the power play. I always feel like you have to have a a master concept in mind before you start looking at the micro. You have to have something that you want to achieve. What's your end goal? What does your team look like when it's at its very best, including with different personnel? And then from there, you start doing another study. That's a feasibility study as to who can be acquired and for how much and what are ways that you can create more capital. What are ways that you can distribute what would appear to be at least some excess goaltending in the organization? Who's movable? Who's available? Who would you dare not give up? Like, here's a name nobody ever throws out there. But would you really want to see another team take Yoel Blomqvist, who's having an AHL all-star season in net for Wilkes-Barre-Scranton? So that he can go somewhere else and become your new Philip Gustafson? No thanks. 
No thanks. But would you consider dangling Tristan Jari? This is the kind of stuff that I've been talking about. And this is also the reason why I've been laughing off the Jake Gensel trade stuff, in addition to having been told that they're not moving him for all these months now. I just think there's another way, and I also don't think it has to be draconian. Pittsburgh sports fans are scarred forever by the Pirates' rebuilds. They think every time a team rebuilds that it has to cut the tree down below the trunk, like down to the roots. It's not the case. The NHL and the NFL are salary cap leagues. The Penguins and Steelers can reload. They don't have to rebuild anything. But you know, maybe that time's coming up sooner than we think. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody who listens to Daily Shot of Penguins. And we're going to do one more of these tomorrow from Chicago. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.